Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. You know, I was just about to complain about the weather, and then the sun peeked out, and it looks like it's going to be a beautiful March or April day. Isn't that the truth? I'll tell you what, no eight, no 90-degree days yet, and the water is flowing everywhere. We're going to cover a lot today. The, the rivers are really starting to rise and come up, and we're going to try to give you some options. In the second hour, we're going to cover a lot of fishing reports from around the state, a lot of conventional, a little bit of fly. We'll have more fly fishing here in the first hour. A big thing, uh, and just a little later this hour, the uh, new director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife, Dan Prenslow is going to uh, join us here on the fan, and he's going to introduce himself and talk a little bit about some of his priorities. And we're going to work with him to try to get him on on some kind of a regular basis like we have with the directors in the past. So really excited to have that. If you can't listen later in the hour, we will podcast that. I mean, and then we'll put it on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, which you should be following anyway because – You'd have known the director was going to be on today if you followed our Facebook page. You'd um, see some fishing reports you did. You'll see a report that Karen and I will post here in the next day or two. We were out fishing and did quite well. We'll bring you up to speed on that and show you a little video on exactly how we did it. So a lot of things on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and Facebook. You should follow that. And Karen posts every time we add a video to our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, Karen posts that on our Facebook page. So lots of interest. So follow uh, The Best of Fishing with uh, Terry Wickstrom. I also want to make a quick programming note. Next week, I will be fishing in Minnesota. Brad Peterson's going to fill in. He's got some great guests lined up. He's going to have Troy Linder from the famous Linder Fishing Family, of course. He's going to have Kirsty Annis, who um, she does a lot of work for veterans. And I, I'm choking. Karen just told me the name of the foundation, but... She just recently climbed Mount Everest, and she lost her legs, uh, And but yet she's a super athlete, and she's out there working for our veterans. So it's going to be a tremendous show next week with Brad. Let's go right to the phones now, though. And uh, joining us from the Salida Fly um, is Ka- Kayla Maddox. Good morning, Kayla. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great, and I, you know— I bet you today would be a great day to float the Arkansas River if you wanted to see the whole river in about half an hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would be perfect for that. I'm <laughs> yeah. uh, Well, I talked to you earlier in the week, and obviously the flows are starting. You know, we, we kind of dodged a bullet in one way this year in the fact that if it had got warm in May and earlier June and we got a lot of rain, with the amount of snow that's up there, the flooding could have been epic. A lot of the snow has come down slowly, but there's a lot to come down yet, isn't there? There is. There's still quite a bit to come down. We're seeing snow at at just above 10,000 feet when we tried to get into some high mountain lakes the other day. Temperatures have, you know, stayed relatively cool. So it's been steady, kind of a slow and steady runoff. Um, Yes. So we're lucky it didn't scream off all at once, I think. (laughs) Oh, really? And But that being said, it's probably going to be a long runoff, but... How long before it maybe slows down? Now, you guys have some fly shops and guide service. We're going to give people all the information on that in just a little later in the segment. But um, really, for the most part, you're kind of not fishing the main Arkansas right now, aren't you? 
No, that's correct. I mean, I think we're going to see peak flows in about the next seven to 10 days. And if you were looking at flows today, it's dropped a bit, but that's just due to some decrease in release from turquoise and twin lakes. Um, so I still think we have not experienced peak runoff yet. And it's about, like I say, seven to 10 days out. And then hopefully things will start to clear up and level off a little bit. So, now, you know, it doesn't have to totally quit the runoff to be fishable, especially once those fish, you know, they don't feed as well in that dirty water. The main concern sure. is safety and then being able to make a presentation, right? Absolutely. I mean, even as flows start to back off a little bit and get around 2,500, 3,000 CFS, I think that water is going to clear up quite a bit. But certainly uh, exercise caution when wading in because those, you know, streams and, and main tributaries are still going to be moving quickly as, as well as the main Arkansas River. So, um, yeah, I, I think things will start to clear up a bit and uh, then we'll go from there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And it's it, it's probably going to go a while. We'll talk a little more about that. By the way, I heard your husband abandon you and you're stuck, stuck with the Arkansas and he went up to the Gunnison. Is that right? This is true. He's on the Gunny Gorge over the weekend guiding some trips. Uh, yes, and I'm here where things are not as fishable. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what's wrong with that? What's something wrong with that picture? But anyway, uh, since he is up there, how is the, the gorge at the, the Gunnison Gorge at Black Canyon fishing? Do you know? You know, it flows were really high prior to about this weekend. I think they were up somewhere around 7,000 CFS, and then they were backing it off to about 1,000. So the fishing should be pretty excellent. Um, it's dam release below, so it typically stays pretty clear. Um, so I think they're going to have a great time fishing over there. And, you know, all kidding aside, that's a section of river that I floated, and it's it's just spectacular. It's one of the most spectacular stretches of river, both for fishing and floating in the country. But especially this time of the year, it's you can float it. You know, there's only so many guide permits, and I think he's up there right. with the Black Anglers Group. Is that right? Black Canyon yep. Anglers Group. And correct, yep. But an individual can float. Now, you got to get down to the Gunnison Gorge either by horseback yes. or packing in, and then you've got to, um, you know, get to the takeouts. And there's only a couple places along that entire river where you could get out again if something happened. So, you don't really, especially on a first time, want to float that as an amateur, I don't think. I, I would agree. I mean, there's some solid class three to pushing class four rapids in there. And it's about a 13 mile stretch from where you put in at the bottom of the Chucker Trail, I believe, to the Pleasure Park is where we used to take out. But, but it is it's it's full on um, and it's it's pool drop. So once you navigate a rapid, there's a nice calm pool at the bottom. But the water's always cold. Um, and you do want to have a good sense of of reading the water if you want to fish those waters, certainly. And, of course, when you get to Pleasure Park, from there on, it's a little easier flow, and that can be great fishing, too. So Yeah, absolutely, down below. And, yeah. and I think a, a bit more calm, calm and navigable as well, yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've fished both those stretches. Let's get back to the Arkansas, though. Um, are the upper reaches, sure. now the upper reaches, of course, won't be flowing as hard as the lower reaches, but I'm not sure how much snow is around the river, how much access there is. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, I think as far up as around Leadville and the Hayden Meadows area, that is certainly fishable right now. Snow's clear, flows are around uh, 880 CFS, so certainly a lot lower um, in, in terms of flows once you're above Turquoise and Twin Lakes. 
so that section is certainly fishable. And I think you'd probably just want to go with um, some, some streamers tight to the bank and perhaps some San Juan worms up there. Uh, and that should fish pretty well if you're still wanting to get out on the river. Well, well you know, well, you mentioned something that I'm a huge proponent of, and a lot of fly fishermen uh, shy away from it. One is streamers, and the other mm-hmm. is even the big San Juan worms. And right now, those fish you mentioned, they're tight to the bank. We mentioned don't right. even wear your waders because right. <laughs> you're going to be tempted to take that step into the water to make a cast or retrieve a fish, and you can get in trouble so quickly and you probably have stepped over the fish you should be casting to. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Exactly. So so if you were going to look out, I know you've got a crystal ball in front of you. Uh, <laughs> um, when do you guys think you'll start doing float trips again on the Arkansas? You know, I think probably here in about the next two to two and a half weeks or so. And, and it's still going to be a little touch and go, and we'll have to be looking for those best sections to float. But I would think we'd start on the northern uh, most end of the valley where we can, probably about Johnson Village down. Um, so hopefully here in about the next two, two and a half weeks. And how far ahead do people have to book a float trip with you? You know, uh, certainly more notice is better, but we certainly have openings right now. And if people just give us a couple days notice, we can usually work you in somewhere. It's definitely helpful if folks have a selection of dates that they could potentially make it over if they're on the front range. So, yeah, try to give us just two to three days to a week, and we can get you right in somewhere. Now, in addition to the flow trips, you guide walk waiting, and you have a couple of fly shops. We're going to talk about that, too, where you just share information with people, of course, and sell equipment. Sure. But um, the walk waiting trips, are they going to be a little earlier than the floats, you think? Or is the flows going to be so high that it's going to be better to float because you can get off in areas that maybe you couldn't reach through any other access? How do you guys typically approach the river when it's like this? Yeah, we so our walkway trips that we offer are on the Dream Stream section that, uh, that you've probably heard of and folks are familiar with. So it's it's just a, it's a technical section and it gets fished and the fish there are smart. <laughs> so we've been doing a little bit of that, uh, but for some of our beginning fly fishermen and women, it isn't always the most productive for them. So we don't yet have a walkway permit on the Arkansas River, but we are working towards that. So our you know our specialty, our bread and butter that we love is really those float trips on the Arkansas River. Uh, we we offer some high mountain lake trips, and then we've also been fishing some at the reservoirs in South Park. Uh, and Taro Reservoir has been pretty productive, and we've had a lot of fun over there so far. So we've kind of been focusing our attention on more of the still water at this time uh, and fishing from the raft in Antero Reservoir. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I talk about this a lot on the show that. This time of the year when the runoff is like it is right now and through most of the state, and, you know, we've got some tailwaters that are fishable. We've got some controlled flows that they're diverting water out of that can be fishable. But still water is a great option, yet so many fly anglers shy away from it because in a river they've been taught where the seams are and where to find the fish, and they let the mm-hmm. river make the presentation. It's a totally different sure. ball game in still water, and I think a lot of fly anglers shy away from that, don't you? 
Oh, I think so. And and what we've noticed, too, when folks are calling up and wanting to book trips as well is that they often have lakes or reservoirs that they can fish wherever they are at home. So they're really looking for that, either that high mountain experience or that river corridor experience. But I still think it's valuable to get out and just practice fishing uh, a variety of waters. So, yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a fun option. Now, the high, high area alpine lakes, I would assume, probably aren't even open yet. Is that right? No, if there if you've got you know some some smaller alpine lakes nearby that are below ten thousand, maybe something like Cottonwood Lake near us, those are open. Uh, anything above that or that's approaching treeline, you know we were still seeing some avalanche slide paths and two to three feet of snow or more through the roadways. So I think it's going to be at least two more weeks before more of that snow melts off and we can access those higher mountain lakes. So. Before I let you go, um, so people can get a hold of you, tell them about your operation, how they get a hold of you to book a guide trip, and how they can come in and see you guys in person. Yeah, absolutely. So starting off, our website is salidafly.com, and that is our guide service specifically. So you can jump onto salidafly.com, take a look at all of our trip offerings, read the updated fishing report. Uh, We just recently opened a new fly shop in Buena Vista, Colorado. It is inside of CKS Main Street, the Whitewater store there. And you can reach that at bunavistafly.com or the address there is 327 East Main Street in Buena Vista. Uh, So that's where you can come in and talk with someone, pick up your fishing license, look at equipment, rent equipment uh, for fly fishing, whatever the the case may be. Uh, We also partner with the Next Eddy Fly Shop down in Salida on West 1st Street. And same thing there, you can book trips with us directly through the shop or purchase equipment or rentals, um, anything that you need. And both shops have rentals if you're just going out on your own or a guided trip? Yes, yeah, we can accommodate any of those things. So rentals are a nice option for people that maybe didn't fly out with their equipment or they're just new to the activity. Uh, It's a nice way to practice without the initial investment so you can learn what you like. What about teaching classes? Do you do some of that? Yeah, Salida Fly, we also offer uh, instruction. We do local clinics or free clinics in the area, but we also offer private instruction for everything from rowing boats, river navigation, safety, to fly fishing skills uh, based on your level, beginner to intermediate, even advanced. So we can offer uh, private instruction to meet your needs. I'm going to bring this up, and people can call me sexist, but a lot of women are intimidated by a male guide. I'll bet some of them love going out with you. Oh, absolutely. I, I'll get requests where, uh, you know, a husband and wife, he, he wants his wife just on the boat with me so that she doesn't have to worry about, you know, any feedback that he has or any suggestions because it, it can be difficult learning from your partner as well. Uh, so I definitely enjoy getting the ladies out there, uh, you know, everything from, from practicing rowing the boats to fly fishing skills, um, how to rig the rod and really just getting people started. I'll, I'll share a secret with you. The real reason the guys don't want the women on the boat, because if they're like my wife, they outfish you and it's embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> that can happen. That, And especially when you're on the river, even as a beginner, you can land a lot of fish because we're covering a lot of territory. Uh, so, yes, beginners can have an excellent experience on the river. Don't be intimidated. <laughs> All right, Kayla, we've got to run, but salidafly.com, right? Yes, that's us. And uh, give us a call, visit the website, and we look forward to going fishing with you. All right. And that Arkansas will be fishable pretty soon. And I got to think that when it does slow down, it's going to be just awesome. 
So I, I hope so. It will be. Those fish will be hungry. All right. Thank you so much. That's Kayla. All right. Thank you, Terry. You bet. That's Kayla from Salida Fly. Her and her husband, just nice people. Got to have them on the radio several times. I really want to get out and fish with them. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And we are going right back to the phones. And joining us from um, Mancos Reservoir, Mancos State Park, is uh, Rob Galen. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Terry. Um, It's a little, well, the sun came out here, but it was a little (laughs) bit like an early spring or late fall day. How's it over where you're at? It's a bit cloudy, and they're predicting some thunder showers this afternoon, perhaps. Why don't you tell people where you are located? Mancos State Park is one of the smaller but most beautiful state park in the state. Of course, I'm a little biased. I was going to say, that. there's no prejudice there at all. <laughs> no, no prejudice at all. And we're about 44 miles west of Durango, about 23 miles east of Cortez. And for those people who have been to Mesa Verde State Park, we're about 12 miles from the entrance of Mesa Verde. Yeah, we're really, right in the four corners. Yeah, it really is a beautiful area. There's such diversity in that area, isn't there? I mean, you have everywhere from the dunes to the um, high mountains to valleys. It's just quite diverse uh, elevation, especially. It is. In fact, if you look one direction from the park, you can see Mesa Verde. And if you look the other direction east, you can see the La Plata Mountains, which still have snow on them. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's an interesting part of the state and one I don't get down to enough because there's a lot to do down there. Kind of describe the park. What have you got there? A lake? Do you have camping? Right. Well, Manka State Park sits at about 7,800 feet elevation. So we're a little bit cooler than some of the lower level parks, but not quite as cool as some of the really high alpine parks. And we have 500 acres, a little more than 500 acres of which about 200 are surface acres for Jackson Gulch Reservoir, which some people call Mancus Lake. Um, we're also uh, just about four miles of shoreline, so people can go all along the shoreline. They can fish from our dam. They can fish from one of the coves anywhere along the shoreline, and there's a lot of room to fish. And then you've got a great trail system. In fact, I think there's been some enhancements that connect you to some major trails. Is that right? Correct, Terry. We're, we have 5.5 miles of trails in the park itself. Even though it's a relatively small park, we have some really wonderful trails. And those connect with some of the Forest Service trails from the San Juan National Forest that eventually hook up to the Chicken Creek Trail. And that goes to the Colorado Trail, which is a Durango to Denver trail. So people can actually hike from Durango to Denver and start a little farther west in our park and add a few miles to their hike. Probably not a day hike. (laughs) Uh, Probably not a day hike, no. Um, (laughs) Not unless you hike really, really fast. Yeah. Do you have, um, it sounds just incredible. Do you have much wildlife viewing in the park? Oh my gosh, Uh, we have everything. We have numerous species of birds, including bald eagles, osprey, a great blue heron or two, Canada geese, ducks. Of course, we have frogs, which are really wonderful to hear at night. Bears, 
are everywhere, as you might guess. A lot of deer, of course. Uh, we do have a mountain lion or two, but we rarely see them. We have lots of other animals, uh, many species of butterflies, uh, several species of snakes, including the cute little green snake, and horned lizards, and just about everything you can think of. And then, uh, we don't get a lot of elk coming down but anymore, but we do have pretty much a lot of wildlife that people can see as they're walking the trails or even in their campsites. Now, camping facilities you have, but you're set up a little different. Why don't you explain people how many campsites you have and kind of how they're working this year? We have 33 campsites, and they're primitive campsites. They do have fire rings and they have places for tents, and there are some spots big enough for campers. But we don't have water or electricity at the sites. We do have water, drinking water available in the park, but not at the sites themselves. We also have two yurts, and for those people who haven't stayed in a yurt, they're really nice. Uh, They're great winter residences, too, for people who want to go cross-country skiing from here, use this as a base camp. Or even during the summer, it's a great spot just to go to Mesa Verde and some of the other spots around here. Those yurts really are nice, and they're comfortable, and they're not that expensive. No, they're about $90 a night. They sleep six. They have a microwave and little refrigerator, and they have a propane heater that looks like a wood stove. So you get a little bit of the atmosphere as well. Now, for reservations, you're supposed to be on the new system, but you're being kind of flexible with it. Is that right? Well, what we recommend is that people either go to our website and they can just type in Mancus State Park on their search engine, or they can call 1-800-244-5613. That's 800-244-5613 for reservations. And reservations do have to be made at least three days in advance, usually. Uh, Once the new system is fully implemented, and we have been able to use it sometimes, uh, we can do reservations the same day if we're available. Okay. Now, we got a couple of things I want to talk before we run out of time. And one is, we talked that there's fishing there. You can fish from a boat or shore. Is that right? That's correct. We have a no-wake lake, but we welcome all boats. Uh, We have, of course, paddle craft and small fishing boats. We've even had a couple of sailboats. Uh, We've had some larger craft, some pontoon boats. So any boat that you can put in the lake, and it's pretty high right now, so you can put anything in there, you can fish from. And what kind of fish can people expect to catch? We stock the lake with rainbows, and you can also catch a brown trout. In fact, there were two brothers earlier in the season who caught a 21- and 23-inch brown uh, using worms. So <laughs> they did. They were pretty successful. I think there's some perch and maybe some perch. brook trout too. Uh, we might have some brook, and we have lots and lots of yellow perch that we don't want there. So there's no limit on yellow perch. There's four on trout, and the yellow perch actually are pretty good size now. Some of them being pulled out are about pan size, so they're just the right size for eating. They do take a little bit more filleting. Yeah, but oh, but they're, they're delicious. A lot of people think they taste oh, so yeah. good. Before we run out of time, too quick, you have a, a you're doing a special event for our first responders. Tell me about that. Right, and we welcome everyone from across the region. And on August seventeenth, that's a Saturday, starting at ten a.m., we will hold a ceremony 
honoring first responders of all types, law enforcement, EMS, fire, uh, people who work in hospitals, whatever kind of first responder they are, and their families. And that ceremony is about a half hour, has some major name speakers, and we honor both current and former first responders as well as those fallen in the line of duty. And then after the ceremony, we have a free picnic and people can go out and fish or play games. We set up a lot of games or listen to music. We'll have some live music as well. And it's free for first responders and their families. All right. We have to run, but you have a lot more activities. You have interpretive programs. You have other music. A lot going on. I just encourage people to go to Manco State Park and check out all the activities and amenities. What a great place to come and spend a weekend or a week in the summer, right? It's absolutely gorgeous. All right. Thank you so much, Rob. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. All right. That was Rob from uh, Manco State Park. What a beautiful place to go. And you can fish, you can hike, there's wildlife, there's camping. It's just another one of the great, great resources Colorado State Parks provides us. Speaking of that, we're going to take a quick time out, and the new director of Colorado State Parks is going to join us right here on 104.3 The Fan. You get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are going to go right to the phones. And joining us, the new director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife, Dan Prenslow. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Terry. How are you? You know, I'm doing great. And before we even get into this, I have to commend you. Uh, the fact that as the new director, you filled all the lakes and reservoirs in Colorado with water was brilliant. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that, and you know, what would I say? But a blind pig, you know, might always find an acorn now and now, again. Now, if you so, could just uh, make the weather a little warmer, <laughs> if I just warm it up a little bit, the fish will grow faster. But uh, I would encourage people to get out and enjoy this. We're uh, oh. running. Uh, I saw the uh, the uh, cubic feet per second doubled in the White River last yesterday. So. Uh, a little concerned about people, but I'm, I, I like the water situation for our reservoirs. So. Oh, you're, you're abs- you know, we came out of a very devastating water year last year, and for the fish, for the people, for the fires, for the landscape, for the habitat, we needed this year. But now I've had enough. But let's let's get yeah. into um, but you, you're the new director of Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Why don't you tell pe- people a little bit about yourself? I appreciate that. Um, we can start. I actually uh, <clears throat> went to college in-state. I've been a, a, a lifelong resident of Colorado and uh, went to college at Colorado State University and got a wildlife biology degree and a minor in range management. Got hired. I wanted to be a, <clears throat> a game warden. My dad worked for the agency, the old Division of Wildlife, uh, from the 60s to the 80s, and and uh, he was not in law enforcement, but uh I decided that's what I would kind of like to do, and you get a degree in wildlife biology first, and then they train you to be a uh, a game warden. So I did that in 19, I got hired by the agency, got hired in 1986, and was a, a game warden for about four to five years in, in Castle Rock in Larchburg, enjoyed that very much, and I took a supervisor job in Meeker, Colorado for about 15 years, and love that, still have a home in Meeker, and then we my wife and I, Brenda, still believe that's home. We just don't live there right now. We'll move back there <clears throat> someday when this rodeo ends. And uh, 
In about 2005, I came down here to Carter Springs, took the regional manager job for the southeast region, which best way to describe that is Leadville to Kansas and Oklahoma, and uh, have enjoyed every bit of that. And and recently uh, uh, was offered and accepted from from uh, the governor and and Dan Gibbs at uh, DNR and the commission the job as director. So I've been in this. I think this is my fourth week, and so excited about the new opportunity and excited at what we can do for. Uh, Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Well, before we get into some of the things that are on your agenda and the fact that you probably have everything under control after four weeks and there's no no more challenges, but before no, no more no, none whatsoever. Right, but before we even get into that, I think the hunting and fishing and in the camping and outdoor public, you know, you know as well as I do how passionate people are about those activities and protective. They are of things like access and and their particular agenda and their activities. And they want to know if you're an outdoor guy or you're just somebody who got put in there. And I I think we can address that pretty easily. You're a pretty avid outdoor guy, aren't you? I would say pretty, pretty avid would be an understatement. Um, I, I, I hike, you know, I bike some, I hunt, I fish, uh, I camp. Um, I would say hunting and fishing is probably one of my biggest passions. I play a little golf occasionally too, but uh, um, I, I have a lifelong pursuit of spending time outdoors. Matter of fact, my dad jokes that he might have overtrained my brothers and I in this uh, hunting and fishing deal. So um, he he chuckles. I think he worked harder, and we we're always looking for an opportunity to go uh, outside and play hunting and fishing. So yeah, I'm. I'm <clears throat> I I enjoy that time. I look forward. I probably will have a little less time to do that as director, but uh, you do get to uh, travel around and see what not only what this great state has to offer, but as I go around the country too on some of these conferences, you you get to uh, visit. Uh, I actually get to go to the the uh, um, the production facility for Red Rider BB guns in September in Arkansas. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So broaden my horizons, even outside of Colorado. That's, that's fantastic. And, you know, I, I could tell when you and I were talking before about your passion from the outdoors. So you're going to be a leader of parks and wildlife that really understands your constituency, your stakeholders and understands the challenges and how, how each person kind of views what you're going to do. I think that will, will serve you well. I really do. And we wish you the best and and we just are, you know, congratulations. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned the hunting and the fishing that you like to do. By the way, I do have a comment. We have a we have a saying about golf on this show. We love golf because it keeps the unworthy off the water. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, and I'll take that under advisement. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> All right. Now, you've, you've took the job. I want to get into some of your big agenda items items initially, but first of all, did you have a sense for the state of the agency? We just went through a funding bill was just passed it over the last couple of years. We're probably just now starting to see that revenue because it's it was going to take a while for it to be collected with license fees and things. What is your sense of the state of parks and wildlife? That's a, that's a great question. And what I would tell you, especially the residents of this state is, is I would start off with a thank you, we uh, from last year, we we the agency had spent the last four or five years really talking uh, and and building support 
and talking to our constituents, uh, you know, hunters, fishermen, and and state park recreationists uh, about uh, fee increase for internal resident or for residents, excuse me. And uh, we just had significant, significant support for that. There hadn't been a fee increase, at least on the wildlife side, for I believe it was 13 or 16 years uh, for residents. And uh, so we built a lot of support. As you probably know, we have to go to the the Parks and Wildlife Commission has to go to legislature for fee increases of that any magnitude like that, and so have to run a bill. And so that's a heavy lift in Colorado at uh, at any time to run a bill. And so we just had phen- phenomenal support from from our uh, constituents. And and so that I want to say thank you again. That bill passed. You're correct. We're just starting to see uh, those fees go in effect. If you're if you bought your turkey hunting license this spring you found out it was a little higher and so so they're they're starting and so we haven't really seen much of that revenue yet but uh, we're doing okay i would say we we probably stopped the bleeding uh and so that's a blessing but i'm not sure we're done uh, but i'll talk about that in a minute the second part though i would say is thank you but after all that support uh the the agency and the commission <clears throat> tried to solve a problem that was created when we changed systems in the draw. And uh, we're still working on that. The commission took that very seriously, but they changed uh, collectively, they changed the system to a qualifying license. And, uh, you know, just to be honest, Terry, we, we didn't uh, know exactly how that was going to come out. So we, we were spending a lot of time on the big game season structure talking to sportsmen. And we didn't spend much time at all or any time, honestly, talking about uh, qualifying licenses. And so when that change happened, it got sportsmen flat-footed. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, we're still, um, you know, we're still working on that. I'm a firm believer in continuous improvement in any agency or any company. And so the commission takes that very seriously, and they're going to continue to talk about how to improve the system they put into place. But I would also tell you that we, we, uh, we uh, affected our support uh, a lot from sportsmen, and so my personal goal is to gain that support back. We uh, we in Colorado Parks and Wildlife, both on the park side and both on the wildlife side, our our 900 employees are really mission driven, and that mission talks about managing parks and wildlife for the visitors uh, of this state, but but for the residents of this state. And so we take that very seriously. And part of that is a, a big customer service uh, component. And we're going to continue. We're just going to dive into that and, and see how we can improve that. And so short answer, I, I would say it's a little le- uh, tenuous from what I would have liked because we had so much support before. But, um, you know, in the end, we're, we're committed to doing a fantastic job. Um, it is a, it is a state agency. We're, probably designed to move a little slower than some private businesses. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not bad, but uh, we'll get there. And uh, I just would encourage people when they, uh, when I run into them and see them at banquets or see them out hunting and fishing, that they've got an idea to improvement. Uh, I'm really open to that. And so are all of our employees. So we have really the best employees and, and customer service out there. So. Now, while we that have would some, be my quick answer. Now, while we have some time left, Dan, when you took the position, I think there was some 
a lot of issues probably that need to be addressed daily because it's a you're managing a huge corporation really is what you're doing and there's always going to be some issues but i think there were a couple a couple of uh uh, agenda points or priorities that were agreed upon by you and your bosses. Tell us about, I think the first one was access. Tell us about that. Great, great question. And, and so I do, I do have two large given uh, discussed <clears throat> performance objectives. And I have some other ones, but we won't have time to talk about those today. We just talked about one, but uh, um, so access uh, two are access and 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 long-term base funding. So let's start with access. Uh, that's a, it's a broader question, but the most simple part of that, if you're a, a hunter or fisherman, you're talking about uh, uh, access to new uh, hunting lands. And so we're actively involved with that. Um, and I, I'll tell you, it says that we should improve by a hundred thousand acres of, of hunting access. Uh, by this uh, year, and so we're in active discussion with the with the uh, state land board uh, about that discussion. And matter of fact, both the state land board board and the wildlife commission will be taking that up in July. And so I would encourage people to be plugged in on that. We've started on this a while back, and really appreciate our partnership with the state land board uh, while we're talking about that. Uh, but it, it's also broader than that. We're we're uh, uh, regional manager Mark Leslie out of the Northeast is about to head up a, a um, access. Uh, I'd call it a committee, but we're we're going to just kind of dive into that. Mark is and and talk about uh, uh, former director Broshad had discussed this and and agreed that we would look at broader types of access. So we're going to start that process. I, I won't commit to any outcome because uh, I don't want to. If I knew the outcome I wanted, I wouldn't set up a committee. So we're going to set up a committee to start talking about from with sportsmen on it, with landowners, uh, and just talk about that issue. So <clears throat> two quick things. We'll have a quick, you know, we're, we're obviously talking about that. We're, we're also in the process of talking about where we need uh, a new state parks. And so we're talking about that, too. That's uh, increase of access for recreation. Uh, of course, we have trail management and all that kind of stuff, so we will be talking about that too. And then last but not least on access, um, sometimes access, even though for lands that we have already open, I, I'll give you a good example. <clears throat> right now, the the fishing is, um, I would say, underutilized, significantly underutilized at Trinidad State Park or even John Martin State Park, and it's rocking right now. Fishing's fantastic. So if you're you know, if if as we that will live in Denver or Car Springs or along the Front Range, uh, you don't have to go all the way to to uh, Grand Junction to fish, or um, it's it's only a couple hours down there to uh, fantastic areas. So we're going to look about access and and uh, within our own system and see if we can improve that, get some word out about that. Well, a great story would be the water that was acquired to keep John Martin from going to low pool again. So that fishery, it may be the hottest fishery in the state right now. You know, thank you for that, Terry. I only got to visit down there about two hours, and I couldn't keep the white bass off of my rod. And and right after that, I got hired to this job, and darn if amazing i can't get back down there so uh, uh actually some of my friends are down there this weekend so and i will talk about that water I, we're really proud in this agency we we've had a, a, a we bought a water right 50 years ago to to uh, to help keep a conservation pool 
in John Martin Reservoir. And just water is a complicated thing. And just this last year, we signed an agreement to to have a permanent conservation pool in that reservoir so that we'll never lose the fishery again. It doesn't mean the water won't fluctuate up and down. So the conservation pool is just the bottom 10,000 acre feet. But 10,000 acre feet is is uh, is enough water to keep a fishery alive. And uh, so, and we're proud about it. It keeps the boat ramps wet on on the state park. And so we're just thrilled for that. We used existing resources to do that. That's that really was a 50-year problem that um, that uh, staff in the southeast region uh, specifically fixed. And we had a lot of help from the state of Colorado, but we had to agree with the state of Kansas in a compact. And these are not simple things. Uh, so we're thrilled. You can expect John Martin's going to get better and better. Now we've only. And got I would couple- remind people. I would remind people that the state record. I believe it's a striper. But uh, they cleaned out the Stilling Basin, the the Corps of Engineers, and so there are, there are many state record above the state record stripers in John Martin. We're talking like thirty thirty five pound fish, um, so I would recommend you go down there, be the first one to beat the state record on that. We're actually over time, but we want to take a couple minutes. First of all, I had a question. We won't be able to address this today, but I had a question. We're talking access about handicap access and the way it's defined. A gentleman who was not permanently disabled but will be disabled for a few years said he wasn't able to get any help or relief. So I want you to kind of put a check mark and put that in the back of your book, and we're going to try to get you back on to answer some more questions. But take just a minute or two really quickly and talk about your second major, and that's broad-based funding. Okay, and I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll quickly, very quickly say access. I'll look, at, I'll look into that. That will be part of my goal. <clears throat> access is, again, not just land but getting people out to, to enjoy what we already have. So let me, uh, let me, I'll catch up to you after the break and we can delve into that. The last priority. Well, we won't have time the second... after the break. We're going to have to just go, but that's, so let's take okay. a couple minutes and talk about the long-term broad bay funding. We'll, we'll do it. And, and that is, so again, right now we're, we're funded by user fees, obviously hunting, fishing, and, and recreation parks, park recreation and camping. And so, uh, one of my other broad-based goals, people have talked about it for years and years, but broadening our basis support, not only financially, but uh, maybe politically and just uh, um, user base. And so that's a big lift, um, but I'll be starting that discussion, and we'll need lots of help and support about that. But uh, just want to make sure that we have the right model and the right uh, um uh, process for managing not just Colorado Parks and Wildlife, but really hunting, fishing, outdoor recreation, bicycling, whatever it's going to be okay. for the for the long run in Colorado. Okay. So, um, you know, we've got a lot to cover, and I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to run out of time here, but, I, but they just signaled me I can take maybe a 30 more seconds. What I want to ask you is, can, can we... Um, get you back on. I wanted the people to get to know you, to understand you as I'm starting to do. And I, by the way, I'm very excited to you know partner and have you guys part of the show continuing and to do everything we can to help make this successful because hunting and fishing is so important to me and to so many people in Colorado. But Dan, we'd love to get you back on once you get, um, I'm sure you'll have everything under control in a day or two, but as you get I, all kidding aside, as you get more settled in and understand what's going on a little more, 
Can we get you back on? And maybe we'll do a question and answer segment where we'll set up some questions ahead of time that you can research for us and come on and address. Would you be willing to do that? Absolutely, Terry. Yep. Uh, that's that's part of this job. And again, part of all our staff is that uh, we work for the people of this great state. And so I'd love to come in and, and uh, have that discussion with uh, people calling in and uh, look forward to that opportunity. Yeah, what I think we'll do is we'll get something set up. We'll try to get some questions ahead of time. We'll get you in studio or even on the phone again. And I'm so, you know, and I'm so glad you're gracious to come on. I think it's important to touch base with your constituents. And really, I'm really just excited to, uh, you know, to hear what you've got going on and keep the people appraised uh, because the number one thing is when people get the right information, they understand what's happening, uh, it becomes a lot easier task. Well, we uh, we're, we can be all about that. I'm for sure all about that. Obviously, can't talk to everybody with 6 million people in Colorado, but uh, that's where you come in, Terry. So let's, uh, let's work together and figure out how we can get good and pithy and uh, timely information out there for, for uh uh, people in Colorado. All right. I've got some things I want to talk to you about. You and I will have a cup of coffee sometime, and we'll get you back on. And meanwhile, good luck, and thank you for joining us today. I love it, and uh, now I'm going to go catch some fish, so I hope I hope you're going to also. Well, I'm here for another hour, but maybe after that. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> good luck. You Bye-bye. bet. That's, uh, that's Dan Pr- Prenslow from uh, Colorado Parks, the new director. I'm excited. Um, we're going to take a quick time out, and we come back. Nate Zielinski will join us on 104.3 The Fan.